Welcome to Nintendo Dispatch, your weekly Nintendo podcast covering all things from the world of Nintendo. I'm Christina. I'm James. And I am Michael. Do, 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 do. Wow, we talked for one hour. We could have recorded an entire podcast before this podcast. <laughs> yeah, we, we did a lot of talking before we do a lot of talking. Yeah, but we have a lot of good stuff to chat about today, so I'm excited for it. I'm back. I'm happy to be back with you guys. I missed you guys. I listened to the podcast. It was very, very good. A lot of fun stuff. I was, I was on. It was. I was upset though because Christina, we talked off podcast, and I was like, "Man, you missed a great opportunity. You were talking about the Wordify game, and you mentioned doing it on the toilet." And I said, "And you mentioned that there was a lot of potential with the game, and da da da." And I said, oh, "There's potential with the game. Jeez, why? This is why I can't go anywhere. <laughs> Just can't leave. Can never I go. Can't leave." <laughs> That's why we keep you around, Michael, for your yeah. excellent the, your the puns. puns. The, I can't. I don't the have poop puns. Yeah, the poop puns. Yeah. <laughs> how, how can I use puns <laughs> like a toilet-based humor? I was watching. Um, I was. I was watching. Uh, I watched the Game Theorist on, on YouTube, and, and he started a new channel with his with his with his crew called the Food Theorist, and they do food theories. Which, of course, like of course, I'll watch some of those. They did one recently on like why do you need to put eggs or do you need to put eggs into instant sort of cake mix you know that's mm-hmm. out there they did this whole thing and no spoiler alerts but it was funny because he at the beginning was like how many egg puns can i use and he's like <laughs> all it's and at the end it's, it's ridiculous and i love i love when you embrace it right if you're i guess if you're gonna go all in you might as well go all in on yeah, puns. For sure. so anyways yeah. anyways you guys just get to the news i'm ready for the news Well, speaking of poop and things that smell and news that stinks, this past Thursday, Universal's parent, uh, Universal Orlando's parent company, Comcast, announced that Epic Universe, which is the area that will eventually contain Super Mario World, is on hold indefinitely. And the reason for this delay is because of the pandemic. Comcast said that we are continually adjusting our cost base and capital, including pausing development of our Epic Universe project in Florida. For example, until the future becomes more certain. And Universal has said that they've recently been experiencing major revenue losses, as are a lot of places, just due to customers aren't visiting um, because of, you know, diseases and viruses and pandemic. <laughs> so that's a bummer. That is a yeah. huge bummer. I, I I can't say that I'm surprised as f- considering Florida is basically the epicenter of it right now in the States. And so, mm-hmm. y- you know, you've got this giant park that you're working on, bringing people together for that. And with them losing money as it is, it, it makes sense, I guess, that they're going to postpone it. I don't think that would have been the case otherwise. It, I think we'll still get it. I just think that it's it's, you know, the pandemic has caused this problem. Yeah. Personally, I was kind of expecting to hear something about this just because things Still in the U.S. Bummer, have gotten so much worse. Yeah. But it doesn't lessen the blow of like, oh, darn. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's unfortunate for sure. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure everyone knows that this epic universe is not a Fortnite universe. Don't be confused by that. That, that is not <laughs> yeah. the case. Not related. <laughs> not related to epic. Yeah. <laughs> Although universal, I'm just saying if you would like to make a lot of money, a Fortnite universe a Fortnite theme park. Yeah. <laughs> How crazy would that be? It that could would just be, be the crazy. world. It could just be the map. And that every be, that would every be year crazy. That could be pretty cool though. If they did like yeah. a Fortnite based park and everybody got like those nerf blasters that we uh, were seeing coming out for Fortnite and you just <laughs> running around the park and the last person standing gets I don't know something cool from the theme or like park. Fortnite laser tag. That's what I mean. Uh, yeah, like do yeah. like a yeah. laser tag or something like that. And, yeah. you know, you could have uh, they were talking about with the Nintendo one where it's going to be kind of gamified a little bit. You're going to be running around collecting coins and stuff. What if you did something <laughs> similar to that? You had like this gamified uh, handheld that they got that you got at the gates and you could run around, do sort of a laser tag and collect power ups and stuff. That would be so cool. That would be mad. And now I want a Fortnite <laughs> theme park. Sorry. Sorry to put that in your head. Uh, well, you know, maybe Nintendo could just, you know, put some money into it and just use their $1.37 billion of operating profit from the last quarter mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> that they had to, to really just shove it into Epic Universe or maybe just partner with Epic and Tencent. And then boom, then boom, you got this amazing Fortnite universe. I'm ready for it. But uh, I saw a tweet from Reggie Fizame uh, who said, 
at this point, Nintendo Switch has likely passed the NES to become the second best-selling console in Nintendo's history. Well done. And I said, ooh, that must mean it is uh, FY whatever, uh, re- you know, analyst calls. And uh, he had this great chart, which was from Nintendo, which is that the Switch has sold 61.44 million consoles. The NES is 61.91. And of course, the Wii is 101.63 million. But it's crazy because it's only been three years that it's been out and it's just crushing it. And in fact, um, that's what Nintendo's latest um, earnings round um, shows. There's literally no signs of slowing down. The pandemic has driven the sales up just substantially up 428% um, uh, compared to the same quarter last year, which is just uh, crazy, especially now, which usually in the summer is the, the drought, right? Usually the big earnings are October, November, December, Christmas is mm-hmm. just, you know, was where everyone makes money it is, is bananas. So let's break down the numbers here a little bit. Like I said, they made, um, billion in operating profit and that's 145 billion yen um that's just an absolutely ridiculous amount of Mm. of money they also doubled their sales which were 3.4 billion um from the same from the same quarter and they additionally sold 5.7 million devices just april may and june that's 167 percent increase year over year which is which is crazy it's just so ridiculous and in fact it's not just the uh hardware sales it is um game sales we've talked a lot about animal crossing being super successful we've heard some early numbers we're waiting for the day what is the number 22.4 million copies of animal crossing globally that is a lot of animal yeah, crossing. it's a lot of so animal crossing <laughs> many it's literally it's a lot of nook it's the second best-selling game of all time because we all know mario kart 8 deluxe just sells all the copies with 26.7 that is so many copies of animal crossing and it's only been like what four months five months i don't know what time is anymore but it's it's so many it's so that's amazing good for them though i mean i i'm i'm it's staggering april may and june that they were able to sell 5.7 million devices that that's that's crazy. Now, do we think this will become the greatest selling Nintendo console ever? It's on its way. <laughs> it is on its way. I mean, it has a yeah. lot to go though to catch up to number one. But yeah, yeah. I'm 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 gonna say maybe maybe it's gonna be the their best console ever. I I don't know. It's pretty crazy to me. I definitely think though, Animal Crossing will take uh, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe because there's only like two point three million difference right now mm-hmm. i and think animal it'll crossing take it too. Is, yeah for sure it's gonna animal crossing new Horizons is, is going to become the the most the best-selling game for nintendo well, i think with all those consoles out there i wouldn't be surprised if we see the spike in sales around the holidays you know if especially yeah. I, I i was gonna say especially if they do a package but i can't see them doing any sort of package deals right now just because of the limitations and production mm-hmm. and everything that's going on in the world so i'm not i won't hold my breath that we're gonna see any sort of package deals or special consoles coming out because they just may not be able to produce that right now but if 5.7 million new devices in just three months alone plus whatever it gets added on after you know june i could see Animal Crossing being being Nintendo's best selling game ever, yeah. possibly after the holiday season. That would be amazing. Also, think about this too: that five point million consoles sold. That was also, you know, during the pandemic, you know, they had production issues. Maybe because I I think I did read somewhere that they are getting back into, you know, they're they're fixing the issues they were having. They're almost back to normal. Mm-hmm. Maybe they will end up doing package package deals because now they're going to be back up to speed they're going to have like a bunch of them in storage somewhere and they're going to want to get rid of them possibly i don't know yeah Yeah, it's hard to say but it it, just the idea that they sold so many of those devices so many of these consoles 
with a shortage yeah. <laughs> is r- ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, if nothing else, it's a, it's a good thing for Nintendo Switch owners, right? You have yeah. so many out there that studios and developers just need to be on the platform. Whereas, um, you know, some of their other platforms didn't have the support. So you had mm-hmm. people kind of jumping ship because they just didn't have the exposure. Their games weren't getting seen enough. And this is not the case with the Switch. So yeah, it's great. And and, and Nintendo is releasing more games than ever, too. We did talk about the slowdown, but on their um, Nintendo Japan website, they have all these graphs and charts and things like this. And, you know, in, let's just say, Americas, there were 300 new games on the Switch and 17 by Nintendo um, the, in the last fiscal year, comparative to the year before that, 261 and 19 from Nintendo. So while we're seeing less games, we're actually seeing, you know, actually the same amount of games like i don't know yeah. what it is but it's the chart of growth is spectacular the amount of just games being sold is is ridiculous too so it's it's mm-hmm. crazy to watch and see the hardware and software move together right yeah. so it is being it's very impressive absolutely now speaking of i guess nintendo games coming to the switch we did get news that we are getting a deluxe version of of a 2013 game, to be fair, it's 2013, but it was a Wii U game. So I think that now it will be seen by many, many more people that never played it originally. And that is Pikmin 3 Deluxe coming to Nintendo Switch October 30th for the full price amount of $60. It's a little bit much. I will say it does seem like a little bit of a high price for a game that came out in 2013 and is currently selling on the Wii U for $20. But... You're going to have to take what you can get. And in that price, we do have some new features that weren't available originally. We have co-op play now, which is I think is a big thing. You have new difficulty settings, enhanced targeting, which I think will help a lot with this kind of game. A hint system to help players so that if they get stuck, they can get out of the problem. And there's new side story missions. Now, I was a huge fan of the original Pikmin game. So After that, I kind of fell off. I didn't play any of the others. So I will be picking up Pikmin 3 because I never played it on the Wii U. Now, I'm curious if people have a Wii U and played it on the Wii U, if they would be picking it up, if those new features are enough to warrant buying it again and buying it at a full price. I'm not sure. But for me, as somebody that's never played it, yeah, I I would love to have some more Pikmin in my life. we, We knew there was a Pikmin 4 that was talked about a while back years ago, but it seems like it's gone the way of uh, Bayonetta and we just don't know where it is. It's just in development. So Pikmin 3 Deluxe is kind of what we're going to get for now. And I think I think there's going to be a lot of people that are excited about that. It definitely has a following. Yeah, I love Pikmin. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty much in the same boat as you. I think I bought the second and the third one. Hard to remember. I don't, you know, I didn't play through a lot of my Wii U games fully uh Mm. so i will definitely be picking this up i love the origin of pikmin really came from miyamoto just his backyard Uh, and just uh it's a super fun game i I love every bit of it it's it's unique too it's it's cute unique it looks good uh it reminds you of of a kid playing in your backyard which i think like i said it was kind of inspiration from miyamoto but it's it's that's what it reminds me of it reminds me of if I was outside with my like little rockets and stuff in this in a sandbox or something, you know, just like I'm like a six year old, I'm like, eh, I don't know, five year old, I don't know how old, however old you are. But and then it's, it's just you create this unique world around it. Like, what would it look if there were like creatures and all this stuff, you know, and mm-hmm. it's quite good. So I'm super excited for it. It's like a honey, I shrunk the kids sort of uh, mm-hmm. role playing game. You're you're shrunk down <laughs> in these tiny sizes and running around in a yard somewhere and everything is larger than life. I was telling Christina the other day that she wasn't familiar with this series. And I said it's something she would yeah. absolutely love. Mm. Uh, I don't know if you got to see any of the trailers or anything, but it is it's very cute. It's very endearing. I like the puzzles. I always loved when the Pikmin would get chomped. <laughs> <laughs> and you just oh, no. see him like running and kind of getting like dying left mm-hmm. and right. I always thought that was kind of funny and so, sort of surprising that it would be in a Nintendo game that's so like 
sweet and kind of wholesome that they're just family friendly <laughs> destroyed by the monsters that are walking <laughs> around but i always thought these were great games and i'm excited for this I, I i do think it feels a little bit heavy and i do think it was a little shady on nintendo's part i was reading that when this was announced coming to the switch they discontinued it on the wii u so now you cannot get Ooh. it there and i think that that's sort of a shady business i you know i understand that you're trying to make the money and trying to put it onto the switch but you pulled it somewhere where it was $20 and now it's no longer supported. So now you're forcing people's hand to buy it for 60. It seems a little shady to me to do that. Uh, that being said, if you have a Wii U, you can jump on eBay right now and still buy a physical for like 20 bucks. I was looking, there's still quite a few of them. So if that's something you're in line, you know, you want to do, you have that option, but I would make that quick because I have a feeling those are going to go rather quickly. Um, but yeah, Either way, Pikmin 3 Deluxe coming to the Switch. Pretty cool. Yeah, like like you said, I'd never heard of it before, but it sounds pretty cute and I'm pretty interested in it. And it, I wonder if them doing Pikmin 3 Deluxe and bringing it to the Switch, it kind of seemed like it was a surprise to a lot of people. And I wonder if this is their way of getting people who just bought all these Switches to get into Pikmin and then they'll announce Pikmin 4. Possibly. So it's kind of like probably a pretty big strategic move for just the Pikmin um, series in general. Yeah, uh, maybe. To, I for mean, Nintendo it's, to gauge people's interest. Yeah. It's been a while. So a lot of people have probably mm-hmm. fallen out and gotten away from the series. So it, may, it would make sense for them to kind of rebuild that interest. I think I could see. Right. Well, for people like me, though, too, like I never played it before. But now because I have a Switch, I'm interested. So, and I'm sure there's a lot of people in my position, so. Well, and I think that's why we're seeing a lot of Wii U games that it just didn't have the market. It didn't have enough people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people that had a Wii U may love the Wii U, but in reality, it just didn't have a lot of people that owned them. So the games that went to it, whether they were good or great or not, they they just didn't have, you know, they, they weren't in front of enough people. So this is a good thing for Nintendo to do. It does make sense that they're, bringing it to the switch and add into it. I just think that if you do that, it's just odd to me that you would get rid of it for the people that already, you know, it's on the Wii U. You just kind of remove that option for them, but Mm -hmm. no, it makes perfect sense to give it to a whole, you know, generation of people that have never been exposed. Yeah. Yeah, A whole new audience. So I'm excited to, to play this. Like I said, I played the first and I'm looking forward to jumping into this, uh, this new one, at least new to me, I should say. Well, next up, we have some kind of funny news. (laughs) If you've ever heard of the Irish novelist John Boyne, he is most famous for his 2006 uh, book, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas. It was like a, I think it was a World War II novel. But his latest book is a fantasy novel called A Traveler to the Gates of Wisdom. It launched this year and fans (laughs) found something interesting (laughs) describing a recipe for clothing dye. He specifically mentions in the recipe red Lizalfo's tails and Hylian shrooms. Hmm. And so you might think, oh, that's so cool. He's like referencing the dying process or or monster parts from Zelda Breath of the Wild. Is he secretly a Breath of the Wild fan or or anything like that? And uh, apparently he is not. On Twitter, he completely owned up to Googling how to dye clothes red with monster parts, and he just put them in his book. (laughs) I guess he, like, went on some website and just had, like, Zelda Breath of the Wild, like, animal parts listed in there, and he threw them in. And he even went as far to tweet, someone please remind me me to add Zelda to the acknowledgments page when the paperback version of the book is published. Oh, Lord. (laughs) I'm still confused at how you... Like, you were... (laughs) I, I, I'm so confused in this whole story. Like he was looking up how to dye clothes, right? Like that was his with monster parts. Search. But who's who's dyeing clothes with monster <laughs> parts? Like wh- why are you searching for that? There's a website for everything, you know. But but I'm so confused. Like who calls an animal a monster? I don't understand what he was I looking don't... for. I I, I, I can no understand idea. if you're looking for how to dye clothes red, and this kind of just auto filled, but. If his search was actually how to dye clothes red with monster parts. Well, I will say 
what are you Dying doing? Dying Red with monster parts was some girl tweeted that and then he said, yeah, you caught me. So maybe he didn't specifically Google yeah. how to dye clothes mm. red with monster parts. Maybe he was That's just what looking I'm saying. at like it had to be like how to dye fantasy clothes red. world dyeing clothes red ingredients or something yeah, like that. Maybe, and then yeah. just happened to come upon it. I'm not really sure. <laughs> but, but part of me was hoping it was on purpose because that would be really cool to find out that this popular novelist like hmm. plays Breath the Wild, likes Breath of the Wild. Like I, I, I kind of wish it was on purpose. But if it was just a it's funny nod. that he. Yeah, it's funny that he totally owned up to it, which I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. That's, it's that's a funny story. <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, now I definitely want to go check out the the book. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it works a in his favor. At the gates of wisdom. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so I feel like someone maybe it was maybe it was just supposed to be a Easter egg. You know what I mean? And then <laughs> then it happened. I like that. Uh, all right, well, on to our last uh, Nintendo-adjacent story. Netflix, our good friends over at Netflix, fans of the show, uh, over there, they love to make documentaries because they're easy to do, you know, just mm-hmm. making documentaries. <laughs> uh, lots of crime series all the time on the Netflix. But uh, they actually are creating a new documentary series called High Score, which is actually very cool because it's going to focus on the golden age of video games which is one of my favorite eras. Um, if there's an era of of ages, the golden is the best. I don't the want the silver or bronze. Yeah. The golden platinum. one. Platinum. Platinum. Age. Ooh. Yeah, yeah you have platinum. That's a sequel. Yeah, that's a sequel to the platinum <laughs> age. Uh, what's really cool about this, why it's Nintendo adjacent, is because our good friend of the show, Charles Martinet, uh, who voices Mario, is going to narrate the entire series, the entire thing, which is really, really fun. So I thought that was really neat. I did see this come out, watch it. Now, the thing that is um, not so great about the um, clip is that it's like a you know minute, you know, here's what the show is going to be about. But there's nothing. It has no idea what it's going to be about. They oh. did uh, leave a, like the, the, the trailer is terrible. But here's what the blurb is. So if you're interested, it's August the 19th. So just a little more than a week away. It says High Score is a documentary series about the golden age of video games when legends from Pac-Man to Doom were brought to life. Through ingenuity and sheer force of will, computer pioneers and visionary artists from around the globe spawn the iconic worlds of Space Invaders, Final Fantasy, Street Fighter 2, not Street Fighter 1, Mortal Kombat, Sonic the Hedgehog, Madden NFL, and beyond. These are all okay games. Um, without rules or roadmaps, players and innovators alike push the limits of money to be made, rivals to be crushed, and hearts to be won. This is the story of the brains behind the pixels and how their unmatched innovation built a multi-billion dollar industry almost by accident. High score premieres on Netflix on August 19th. I mean, I'm, I'll am i watch it. This, uh, By the way, the, the trailer and this description did not wow me, although I do like documentaries. Mm-hmm. But uh, my fear is that it's going to be not. I don't know. I don't want to call it out too much. It's it's narrated by Charles, which I like. I'll give it a go. We'll watch it. We'll report back. My assumption is that maybe it's not the, the going to be the best thing in the world, but we'll see. Could be interesting if he na- narrates it as Mario. <laughs> not just him talking, but he's actually doing the Mario voice the whole time. I I think it'll probably be good. I mean, a lot of Netflix documentaries are well done. I'm not worried about it or anything. Yeah, I thought it sounded cool. I'm into it. And it's kind of funny that this was just announced because was it two episodes ago we were saying, oh, there should be one yeah. like this, but specifically yeah. for Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about it, this very thing. Yeah. I, I'm excited for this. I I mean, I it's something that's we're interested in, so I will definitely check it out for sure. The only thing I question is the golden age. Do, is that really what we would consider the golden age? Because I, I don't know if I would I would. I would say games are constantly getting better and better. And I don't know if I would like the golden age. They always reference that. And it's like arcade games and things, you know, from the past. I think it's been coined. But it's just weird to me. I I would say that the golden age could be any time. But I don't know. I I guess that was it, that they just consider that the golden age of video games. And it just move on from there. I'm curious why that's considered that time period, you know. Yeah, I looked it up just really quick, like Googled it really quick. It says the early arcade video games developed from 1972 to 1978 is considered the golden age of video games. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, they have, according yeah, to just, Wikipedia. Yeah, so. but I'm just saying, like, why? Yeah. Why is that considered the golden? Maybe because it's it pushed started. it into the limelight. Maybe that was you yeah. know before that it was sort of just 
not as mainstream and then that pushed it in. Maybe that's what denotes something as golden age because it becomes mainstream and makes like flips the switch on something. So well, I, guess I guess in that's that case, when things transfer to computer games as well. Yeah. So maybe that's right? so, you know why it becomes the, the golden age. So I wonder yeah. what, you know, what, what's the age in, in 10, 20 years from now, I wonder what the age is that we're in currently where you have, you know, games like Pokemon Go that have gotten so many Open people world. active and you're just out there and about like what age would that be? Because I feel like that's also a turning point in gaming where you have these casual gamers that maybe don't play console, but they are very active in whatever game it is that they're playing, you know? Interesting. I think we already coined it. It's it's going to be the platinum age. The platinum That's age. where we are right now. Yeah. yeah might have to be. <laughs> well, that does it for our news this week. And that brings us to our top 10 bestsellers. In first, we have Animal Crossing New Horizons. No surprise. Second, Paper Mario Origami King. Third, Minecraft. Fourth, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Fifth, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Sixth, All-Star Fruit Racing. Oh. Seventh, Skyrim. <laughs> Eighth, Motor Rush GT. Ninth, Minecraft Dungeons, and 10th, Doom 64. So a couple sales, a couple things moved around, but the top five are like not going anywhere. Yeah, locked in Those place. have kind of been consistent. Yeah. Yeah. And that gets us to new releases we're into this week, and Christina's kicking it off. Yeah, the first one I thought looked kind of interesting comes out August 12th for $25. It's called Metamorphosis. It's an adventure puzzle platformer published by All In Games. I'm not quite sure who the developer is for the Switch version because there's a couple different ones listed and none of them have actual websites. <laughs> um, but the story is you wake up one morning and you are just transformed into a bug and you have to work your way through this new version of the world. The whole game is in like first person perspective or I guess first bug perspective. So you are looking at the whole world through the perspective, through the eyes of this bug and you have to help your best friend named Joseph, who for some reason was arrested and you need to figure out why he can prove his innocence as a bug. Uh, but I, I don't know. I like the idea of changing your perspective a little bit and seeing things like a bug, but I also am a little concerned I will get super motion sick playing it. Mm. Uh, but I thought it was a really cool and interesting idea. Yeah, I was looking at the trailer with this one. It, it's different. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be very yeah. good or or not, but it looks interesting. And it's like I said, it's something different. Yeah, $25 seems a little high for me. So if it went on sale, I'd probably pick it up. But now the next one you? I checked is coming out on August 12th. It's called Volta X for $20. This one I had to go to their site to look up a trailer to see if it was something that was actually interesting. And I, I will say, aesthetically, I really like it. I, it's got like this sort of hand-drawn child's illustration book look to it. Uh, the gameplay itself doesn't really follow that, but the stories and like the animations, it seems that are in between the gameplay does. And the story as it goes is years ago on earth, we were attacked by aliens. And when all seemed lost, this guy, Dr. V revealed new technology called the Voltas. They're basically giant robots. And you're going to use those robots uh, to fight the alien threat. And then once that alien threat was taken care of, we had all these cool robots walking around, but nothing to do with them. So they created Volta battling. So each Volta seems to be made up of different parts. At least that's what I was getting the impression when I was watching the trailer. So you have your core Volta, which is like the, you know, the torso, the head, and you have a pilot that operates that. But then you also have other uh, appendages that the pilots control. So you have maybe like a gun arm or a drill arm or or something else and you have pilots that also operate those parts so you're working in unison and it seems like it reminds me of uh lovers in a whatever deep space or whatever that game was lovers in a dangerous space time yeah you know how remember like the different people would run around and control like you had to control the shield over here but then the steering down here and stuff like that mm -hmm. it seems very similar to that sort of a game mechanic where you're kind of your pilots have to operate different functions in order to battle other voltas which have other pilots doing the same thing so you're kind of running around and doing some strategy and kind of trying to figure out how to beat this volta that you're going up against and it does seem like it requires teamwork and strategy to do that you can also power up the Voltas and the weapons and get different techniques and you're able to dodge and attack and your pilots can even be leveled up, which I thought was kind of cool. Your Volta starts with the same functionality. So if you start the game, I start the game, we all start and it all has the same robot, but it's how we decide to customize, customize those that makes the biggest 
difference. And based on how many customization parts they have, it's almost like a limitless loadout. You can figure out any different combination of things. I also really like the fact that you basically select your pilots and those pilots also kind of have a little bit of a story and a reason that they are in the arena and you find out secrets about them, which I thought was kind of weird and cool that they added that sort of story-based element into this essentially fighting game. Uh, And then outside of that, outside of the arena and the battle, you get this base building game. And that reminded me a lot of Fallout Shelter. So essentially you're building your your base and you add these different pre-programmed rooms just like Fallout Shelter and your pilots go into them in order to learn new skills and to level up so that they are stronger when you actually are doing your battle arena. And I think that is really another level of strategy that is kind of cool. And the last thing I liked about this was that you can connect with players all over the world and fight them and do different events. They're saying that there's going to be special events that are going to be anywhere and you're going to have global leader leaderboards and all that kind of stuff. So I liked it that it also connects with other players all over the world. So from what I saw, it definitely seems like something that's interesting to me. I love these sort of strategy games and I like that it has different elements of strategy games. I really enjoyed Fallout Shelter on my phone when I was playing that and that was a fun game for a while. And then you have the story parts where the pilots have their own reasons for doing what they're doing. And then you have these sort of battle bot elements of building out your Volta. So all together, it seems kind of fun. I'm going to check this one out. Volta X. I took a quick glance at this game and just kind of put it off to the side because it didn't look like something I would be interested in. But oh my gosh, this thing has so much depth to it. There's so much more to the game than I thought. And for 20 bucks, that's, it seems like it's, you get a lot for $20. Well, that's at first, when you look at the gameplay stills of it, it doesn't seem that impressive. And that's why I I ended up having to search around for it. And I found Mm -hmm. that there was a uh, trailer on steam, which is what kind of sold me on it. And Mm you know, it it comes out on Steam at the same time. So there's no other reviews. And at the moment, Steam is more expensive. It's like $24 on there versus the 20 that we pay on, which hasn't happened, I don't think ever. But uh, (laughs) yeah, once I looked into it a little bit more, I I became more interested in it. At first glance, when you just look at the screen stills, it's kind of like, Mm meh. But uh, yeah, well, after a little while, I was like, oh, this could be, this could be really fun. Well, you've convinced me. I'm going to add this to my wish list. So nice. (laughs) Yeah, it looks cool. Now, the next one is definitely directed at me. This is August 13th. (laughs) Feria for $20. This is a deck building game with quote unquote living board. And basically what they mean by that is you can play, I think, cards or tiles that will raise mountains or build forests and lakes and things like that, which direct the battle that you're also using your cards for so you not only control the the attacks with the cards but you these tiles add another level of strategy to the game one thing that i did really like and i'm excited for is that they have touchscreen support and it has cross play with pc so i'm i think that's really really cool that you're going to be able to do this i think playing this on your switch with touchscreen is going to be fantastic and this is currently on steam and it has very positive reviews the art style and the uh the play style of it is beautiful it kind of reminds me of a hearthstone with a little bit more of a vibrant color to it but very similar if you've ever played hearthstone you would be familiar with sort of the look of this game and uh I, I like it a lot. I really like what I see here. I I don't know much about this game. I've never really heard of it. But based on the stills and the trailer that I watched, it looks beautiful. And I think it has a decent level of strategy. Some of these deck builder games seem seem complex. And then you start building them and playing them. And you're like, oh, this is very shallow. Whereas this one, it looks like it's got a lot going on to it. And the artwork is is beautiful. So I'm going to check this one out as well. Dare I say, I thought that this was actually, I like the art style more than Hearthstone. <laughs> I think you did just dare to say that. Yeah, I did. I did. You it. did. I also did knew dare. you were going to put a check on this, and I was so convinced I almost put a check on it for you. Yeah. So I'm glad yeah. you checked it. You I mean, I, I really do love deck. You I, love these card games. I love card games in theory. Not all of them are very good, and I'm not right, very good right. at them. 
but I do <laughs> like them. Like when we played Magic, I really enjoyed Magic a lot. Um, Hearthstone is cool, but I feel like I'm so out of the loop with Hearthstone that I, I just can't play it anymore mm. because I just don't know yeah. what the heck is going on. And Gwent, I have that on my phone. And because of Witcher 3, I've been playing a lot of Gwent. And I think that's a really fun card deck builder game. But I'm not I'm not good at them. Like when we used to go to Magic... Um, uh, I don't know what it's called. Release, but, release. Yeah, magic release. So when we would go to those, Thanks. I just would get crushed because I'm playing against people that <laughs> I, I don't even know. Yeah, they're just so yeah. hardcore. And I'm just there. I'm like, oh, this one's pretty. I'll play this card. Oh, I think you're really pretty. But the game that I think is really pretty this week uh, <laughs> is Boomerang Foo. Listen, there's a lot of families at home right now. They're stuck inside. They need something to do. Wouldn't you want to take charge? and take command of a slice of watermelon, a donut, mm. a banana, an avocado, a carrot, or a milk carton, and slice and dice up each other with boomerangs. That's Boomerang Foo coming to your Nintendo Switch for $14.99 on August 13th. <laughs> One of the most intense, battle-licious games that you'll have ever played. The couch multiplayer chaos that you've been searching for without online play, because who needs online play in a time when you can't have friends over your house? <laughs> yeah, you can't uh, do couch co-op, so what better time? Uh, <laughs> now, th this game looks super cute. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really nice. There's a bunch of, there's 30 different um, arenas that you play in. It's up to six players, couch co-op, all of those amazing characters you can pick from. There's six of them. Uh, and there's different power-ups. There's You can turn on and off shields, or you can do team squads. Uh, you can turn on and off friendly fire. And you basically are throwing boomerangs and slicing and dicing up your your, mm -hmm. your foes. Uh, it looks super cute. I don't know. I thought this was really cool. Uh, and a lot, of, uh, a lot of environmental destruction, too, and um, environments that can take you out, like uh, crush you. But there are some really cool power-up moves, like uh, the banana can turn into an object that's in the level and then you can sort of hide there too because there's a bunch of chaos going on on the screen so you you might be able to do some some uh hidden hidden uh jumping out at them you know what i mean like something from zoolander mm. like wow uh yeah. anyways super cool i thought it looked really i love the art style on this one it's just really really cute so not one to be overlooked if you are at home with all your kiddos this is one for them which brings me to my next game that no one on the call here will enjoy besides me which is double kick heroes this game looks ridiculous it is a music rhythm based shoot 'em up why not your name written all over it <laughs> um so the there's a whole story which is ridiculous but you for all intents here are playing as this rock heavy metal band that is going through a post-apocalyptic world and you're driving from left to right and all these enemies are coming at you from the left-hand side and at the bottom of the screen is sort of like a guitar hero-esque music score that you need to um, play and every time you get a correct note that is a a shot that is fired. So you can't just like shoot. You actually have to get the music right to um, to, to be able to to to, to be able to to, to kill the enemies on the screen, oh which is gosh. intense, but <laughs> there's tons of things. I'm like, how are they going to, how are you going to play this game? It doesn't make any sense. There's motion control. So you take the joy cons oh. and you, you actually like wiggle them. You go bop, 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 up and down, hmm. um, to, to, to hit notes. It looks ridiculous. Uh, it's 20 bucks. Uh, don't think I'll buy it, but I'm definitely adding it to my wish list. If it goes down cheap, I'll totally buy it and make a fool of myself. But, um, I don't know if you're into rhythm based games. I just thought this looks cool. Uh, in theory, in theory, it looks cool. I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. But there are 30 levels, bunch of songs. Uh, it is like metal uh, music, which I'm not necessarily a fan of. Mm -hmm. So I, I'd have to play that out. But if it went down to like five or ten bucks, I might be into it. Uh, but I just thought that it was a different type of rhythm based mechanic that that intrigued me. So there nice. you go. But with that, that gets us to everybody's favorite segment in the show. What you playing and who would like to go first? I'll go first. Uh, my sister visited this past week, so we played more Overcooked 2 and went better this time because we actually kind of had an idea of what we were doing. <laughs> uh, and uh, Animal Crossing, the usual. I Unfortunately, I missed the fireworks show last Sunday, so I will mm. make sure I, I attend today. Oh. But I did I did buy some party poppers 
boop, boop. At the nice. shop. So yeah, I, got I, I guess I'll have to log in and check this out. I haven't I have I've downloaded the update for for the new fireworks and all that jazz, mm-hmm. but I haven't really done anything. I I turned it on for the first time in I think a month the other day and picked some weeds and was like, all right, well, killed a killed a roach or two and then turned it off. <laughs> that was about it. But it, <laughs> I think today I get to see fireworks. Is that the gist of it? There's fireworks tonight. Yep, at seven o'clock they oh, do cool. a little fireworks show, and you can like buy fireworks and goodies and light them off and be part of the show. And cool, yeah. I'll have to check yeah. that out. And I also i I know last week I was complaining it was really hard to find the Beatles that are in in the game right now, but I turned off my game and within forty minutes I caught two rare Beatles. So <laughs> oh, I'm nice. a pro, basically, is what I'm yeah. saying. I saw a bunch of beetles or or at least heard a bunch of beetles because I was walking around in my orchard and they just kept, I can't see them. So it's like, I I don't even know how I would catch one of these because all they do is fly away before I even know anything's even there because my orchard is Most of the rare ones are on palm trees. So I had to grow a bunch of palm trees to try to get them. And and it, my strategy so far seems over. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He's got, we'll have to go to his island. I'm sure he's got nothing but rare beetles walking around with all those palm trees. Everywhere. Just so yeah. many. Just yeah. thousands of them. Everywhere. <laughs> That's what I prefer. Mm-hmm. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I, I'll i go next. I was pretty quick, quick and uh, Adam, uh, Christina, and I talked about last week my uh, foray into um, Crisis Remastered on the Nintendo Switch that I picked up and that I was sort of getting bored. Uh, with the game and I was only, uh, you know, three hours in, four hours in. Uh, however, I, 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 I hurt my back last week after the podcast and I had to take off Monday because uh, I couldn't move and uh, that was a good time to play Crisis. So I played almost through the entire game. I think I am on the second to last level and things get weird and wacky in the second half. You start to um, get deeper into the alien sort of shenanigans that's happening on the island uh, planet, wherever you're on some Island, it's like, a, it's like a South Korea that you're in. And, uh, you start to float anti-gravity shenanigans. Uh, it's intense, real different asthm- atmospheric craziness. Of course, if you played crisis, you know what I'm talking about already, but anyway, you start to shoot aliens and stuff. Um, and it's just bananas, but, uh, so that, that got a lot more fun uh, overall. It, it started to turn around the levels started to get a little bit shorter, which I appreciated. Uh, you know, I, I just felt like I was making forward movement where sometimes you sit down and you're like, I'm going to play this chapter and the chapter is an hour and a half. You're like, okay, I like, I want to be done with this chapter. Uh, and that was some of the earliness on maybe because I was getting used to the controls and the, the progression of the game. But in the earlier missions, there was a lot of side missions that you could do and i'm like of course i'm going to do the side missions why wouldn't i want to go over there and get the data intellisense and then go over there and then it doesn't actually impact any of the gameplay so like why did i spend a half an hour going over here for no reason and there's a lot of that that happens in the game hmm. the game again is pretty in the space you're not in space but in the underground alien area it's also really pretty the once you control more vehicles that's super cool and fun uh I'm I'm near at the end, so I think by next week I'll, I'll be done. I just need another hour or two, and then I'll I'll be done with it for good, and I can boot up uh, Bioshock, uh, which should be fun too. But yeah, I mean, I, I do enjoy the game. The game is fun, um, but I um, we uh, Michael asked me ahead of the podcast. He said, "Is it more fun than Halo?" I think that's a valid question. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're different games, right? I mean, Halo is in space with space weaponry and you're shooting aliens from the start, all this stuff. This game, you're supposed to be figuring out this conspiracy kind of like what's happening, like what's going on. Um, you know, you've got this cool suit on. There are some striking similarities between them. Crisis, I enjoy because the weapons, they had a lot of attachments and upgrades and different firearms and things that you could get and whatnot. I will say, and this might be controversial. Um, I think that I had a lot more fun playing Halo though, just when it first came out. Okay. I know that it was a long time ago that Halo came out, right? The original, um, uh, I guess 2001. When did crisis come out? Crisis release date, uh, 2007. So six years later. Okay. Um, 
I don't know. I, I, obviously, Crisis is a much better looking game just for the environment, for all the technology that's going into it. And even on the Switch, it's super duper pretty. As far as a fun factor and like a progression, I, I think that Halo uh, Combat Evolved was um, more fun to play. Like I just, you could sit there and play it and go through stuff. And of course, the multiplayer was a huge, um, huge part of the original LAN parties that we, we did back in the day before there was mm-hmm. online play. But uh, I still have enjoyed Crisis. I, I, I did tell Christina last week I was getting bored. I, I started to play more. I, I got I did not get bored playing through those other missions. I thought they were uh, more entertaining because I think the first half you're in a lot of similar environments and then it sort of amps up and the, the story progresses. I still don't know what's happening in the story. It doesn't actually matter at, at any point. I just want to get through it. Um, and that's most games that I play. So that's not indicative of Crisis's story. It's indicative of the game is told through, you know, cut scenes at the end or the beginning of, they're not even cut scenes. They're in-game cut scenes, which don't really pull me in in any way. And I have to be listening to like, and I have to, you know, when you're, you're, you're like, oh, there's this, this NPC that is talking. So, but I'm still allowed to move around the map and I could sit here for five minutes while that NPC talks, or I could just go finish the freaking level. I'm just going to go finish the level because nothing what you're saying is, is important. If it was important, it would be a cut scene that forced me to watch it. And, and that's what I think is, is missing uh, from the story elements. That's, that's not pulling me in. So, but it's still good. Okay. So pretty good overall. You give it like a, a middle of the road. It sounds like for this one. I mean, it, it's if you've never played Crisis, it's worth your thirty dollars. I think okay. it's worth it's worth thirty dollars. It's crashed twice on me, but no progression or anything was lost, <laughs> so that's good. Yeah, uh, and I don't know why I wasn't doing anything. I was just like entering a, a normal area, but um, besides that, it's good. The the any of the weird and wackiness of slowdowns or anything like that have not hurt me at all. Like I, I talked about the sniper rifle, sort of like the slowdown or whatever. Yeah, it hasn't impacted me at all in any way, I don't think. So I played on the I played handheld a bunch because obviously my back was hurting, so I didn't want to sit down at the TV. So mm-hmm. I played handheld spectacular, plays amazing handheld portable. Um, so very um good there. So I mean, uh, it's a it's a very well executed game. So the $30 almost goes into the fact that the love and craft that went into this remaster for the Switch is why it's also worth your $30. Okay, nice. It's a good port. Yeah. Great. Uh, I've been playing Witcher 3. No surprise there. I did start some of the DLC. I started the Heart of Stone mm. DLC, mm. which is so far very, very good. I can see why people like it so much. It does seem... any Anytime you're playing the, the mainline game, it's, it's fascinating because it just gets so good. You know, there's a lot of side quests... And a lot of um, spots on the map where you'll just go and you'll fight somebody and get a treasure tra- chest or something like that, which is kind of like just busy work. The side quests are cool, but their stories aren't really f- as in-depth. But then you jump into one of these mainline stories and you're just like, whoa, that's why this one, the storytelling and the animation and everything that's happening, you're just like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's why this game is so great you know because you can you can flesh out the game with all the side quests and the and the little stuff and that does add hours and hours and i and i do enjoy that but it's just so night and day once you jump into the main stories and the the things that that you could tell they very clearly crafted to 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 be um engaging and those are so good so I'm, i'm really enjoying that i did also play a few other games this week we talked a little while back how i mentioned uh aircraft evolution i had that as a check thinking that it could be kind of fun you play you know you're you're piloting these planes through different time periods and you have to basically drop bombs or shoot and stuff to take out bases and things like that and i thought it looked like it could be potentially interesting uh it's not it's not that good <laughs> I, I played it a little bit and i think that you know when you look at the stills it reminds me of worms in sort of you're using physics and you have to shoot at an angle and it'll drop down onto a bomb and there's just it, it also has a very similar aesthetic to worms the way it's done so one of the problems with this is that when you're playing it, it 
all the UI is too small. It's like whatever they did to port this, it must have come from a PC or something. So everything seems very small and not very refined. Not a lot of time and care was done in how you select things. It just feels like it's very matter of fact and there's no polish to it. That's the best way I can put it. There's, it doesn't seem like whoever was creating it or actually doing the design really gave it a lot of careful thought because you'll say, you know, instead of maybe a themed look overall to the, to the, to the design of things, it just has a very says like start game, just blandly there, you know, there's no, there's just no polish. And, and I think that kind of weighs this game down. The gameplay itself is fine. It's, you know, you're just flying a plane around and avoiding bullets and stuff while you're, while you're trying to take out bases and that's okay, but it's just in general, it's kind of a blah because it just, it, it just doesn't look very good. And then the other one that I played was Lost Wing. Mats and I have talked about this a little bit. This is sort of a, a race game where you're kind of avoiding obstacles and shooting things and trying to get to high score. Very arcade classic type game. Looks really, really good. Has a good techno soundtrack to it. Uh, it is fun because, it, you know, we were talking about how you lost the, the title was kind of weird. You lost, you know, Lost Wing, not both of them. But what ends up happening is you can knock off your wing. And your plane will steer, like steer slow in that direction. So when you try to avoid things, when, if you're losing a wing on either side or both wings, I guess, you, you handle much slower. So you're mm. just kind of like sluggish. You're not dead yet necessarily, but you, you definitely can knock a wing off and be in trouble but you'll pick up a power up and get them back. It's it's cool. I liked it. The little bit I played, it is challenging. I like the music and it's and the music is such a prominent like player in the game that you can select different tracks while you're playing it in the middle of playing it. It's not assigned to a level, which I thought was kind of interesting and I don't know if the uh, level adapts to the track. It doesn't seem like it, but I haven't played enough to really decide yet if it's if it's adjusting the speed based on what the music is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, overall, it seems well done. It looks really nice. Again, very simple. You jump in, you do like a, a uh, you know a trial run to kind of get the hang of things, and then it throws you into the mix, and you're just you're just going, you're just racing. There's cool anomalies that'll happen that'll flip the map upside down on you, and that's hard that's really tough you're, you're, yeah it makes it difficult <laughs> um and then it'll be like anomaly disappearing and it'll flip it back uh but overall really really cool and uh something worth checking out and i i haven't checked the leaderboards because i'm so far on the bottom of them that it doesn't really matter but it's something <laughs> i want to put some time into because i think it could be really really cool nice mm-hmm. that sounds cool i might need to Check I think you would like that one for sure. Yeah, that one's okay. definitely a Mott's uh, two thumbs up. All right, cool. I think that's going to do it for this week's Nintendo Dispatch. Of course, you can find us everywhere on the internet at Dispatch Podcast on Twitter or just go to NintendoDispatch.com. You can find all the links there, our Discord chat. Of course, share this uh, uh, podcast with a friend if you're like, hey, I know one of those 61 million other Nintendo Switch owners. Just be like, hey, check out this podcast. That'd be cool. And uh, that uh, helps the show a lot. All right, well, that's going to do for this week's Nintendo Dispatch. Until next time, thanks for listening.